Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. This is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the show. Humble Warriors. What's happening? Let it out, kid. It's all about let it out today. Let it out and, and be free. Yeah, that's it. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes, following us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, and liking the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we're broadcasting live from Birmingham, Michigan. Live. At the Humble Warrior Studios. With, with, our, do- with our dog, Buddy. With Buddy. Yeah. Say hi, Buddy. He's just chilling there. All right. He's hanging out. And if anybody saw Instagram, he was meditating with me last I night. I saw that. That was interesting. <laughs> he, he likes to come in that room now. It's great. He just hangs out? Yep. He gets his own little uh, meditation pillow and just chills. Good. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I will tell you, well, at least my dog will teach you how to breathe. <laughs> in and out the nose. <laughs> Very loud. But he knows what he's doing. You know... I won't even mention. Okay. But, well, actually, I'm going to mention. All right. So you know, I mean, you're you know, a meditator. You're you're a long meditator. Oh, well, I am, but I have the sleep apnea. Oh, that's right? right. So I just got one of those auto pap machines, and I got to wear this mask that cover covers my mouth. Mm-hmm. And usually, when I go to bed, I lay down, close my eyes, I'm asleep. Right now, I wear this mask that basically blows air into my nose. Oh man! Like it's constant pressure to keep me from to keep make sure I, my body keeps breathing because sleep apnea is basically you stop breathing in the middle of the night, not good. Mm-hmm. And now I put this mask on every week or every night, and it's like I got to concentrate on breathing. I'm like, okay, breathe in, breathe out, relax, <laughs> and it's this whole like it's easier to meditate than it is to put this mask on. So, it's just a whole ordeal. Wow! So you're still adjusting to that. I'm obviously. still adjusting to it. It's like, but it's funny. It's kind of. It looks like. Uh, I know you showed me. My brother's got one too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, Tom Cruise in Top Gun. He's, <laughs> you know, he's got that mask on. And yeah. Like, so, anyways, um, so today we've got a guest. Later on today, we've got Katie Dalabout or Dalebout. We're going to ask her how to pronounce. Her name correctly, but she is a millennial blogger and a uh, published Hay House author. Um, with, and had a book just come out, so we'll talk about that and get with her. But before that, you know, I wanted to talk about there's two things I want to talk to you about this week. One was a blog post that you just wrote that's going to be published tomorrow, right? But well, everybody, when they hear this, yeah, by the time you hear it, it'll be on the site. Um, Love over fear that's the title, right? I changed okay. it a little bit. Oh, tell us what it is. I, I changed it to um, responding with love instead of fear. Oh, good. Good one. Because yeah. when I read it, but we'll talk Perfect. about it some more. Okay. Um, and then also today was a big day because Hay House announced a contest winner. Yes. For the books. So we want to talk about that because I know you put, uh, you submitted. Uh, my proposal uh, for Your that. proposal. But first, this this blog post you wrote. Over the weekend, we went to... Veg Fest yes. in Novi to see our friend um, Jason Ro- Ro- Robel. Yep. Right? He was there. And, and our new friend, John Sally. <laughs> yeah, John Sally, too. More your friend than mine. I just right. shook his hand. Okay. Um, but it was in, there was an interesting thing when we walked into the Veg Fest. There were actually two shows going on at, at 
what was this? The yeah. conference hall. What are the suburban complex they yeah, call it? The, nobody the, complex. Suburban, yeah. Whatever. Um, but there was a sign, and it was when you pull up to park, there is paid parking. And the first question they ask you is, what, what show do you want to go to? Are you here for the gun and knife show or veg, veg fest? I'm like, what a combination. Oh, yeah. I mean, two opposite sides of the spectrum. So you took a picture of the sign that said, this way to veg fest, this way to gun and knife show. And you ended up writing a blog about it. And I thought it was really interesting just how, how you process that information. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, so if you want, yeah. want to kind of explain sure, your thoughts. Sure. And this is something that, well, what it sparked is, you know, love over fear and making, you know, just at least from my um, perspective is am I making a decision based on love or am I making a decision based on fear? And to your point, I'm glad you switched the, um, the blog post. Am I also, if someone is either talking to me or writing an email or what have you, am I responding with love or I'm responding in fear? Mm -hmm. And so when I saw that, it sparked me obviously to take a picture and put love over fear. Right. But then later I was later that day, I was like, wow, this is, this is perfect timing uh, to write this blog post. And it's really because a very dear friend of mine and uh, maybe a few days ago sent me an email on my last blog post. Um, but and it was the spiritual, the spiritual entrepreneur. Spiritual entrepreneur, yeah. Yeah, and for anybody that read that, it was just, uh, you know, me uh, telling a little bit of my story of, you know, following my heart and going down this path of just following my heart. And um, this person was very open. He's kind of, it well, is in the same space, the holistic space, an accomplished author, has written three books. Uh, I believe this person's a therapist and does a lot of work and puts on conferences and does speaking engagements and workshops. And this person is very kind enough to, sh to share exactly what's been going on in the last 10 years in, in her and her husband's life and um, from a financial perspective. And because it's, it's hard to get up, it's hard to get started, let's say, in this sort of space mm -hmm. and have the income, you know, coming in. It takes time. And well, I think it's just with anything. It's not it's, just the space. It's right. any business. Right. And so, and but, that's what was, so, so that person was very kind to, you know, you know, share that and I mean, be, be very generous. But when I first read those words, I was like, first of all, I've not talked to this person in a long time. Okay. And because of my business background, and you and I have had this conversation, kind of know what I'm getting into, know the risk. Right. Um, and through all my past experiences, really know how far I can go with it. And sometimes, though, an email, or at least for myself, can be taken the wrong way. And so what I did is at first I was like kind of taken back by it and I said, all right, I don't want to respond. And so you were a little, I was just like, why were you a little offended? Yeah. I think maybe that's because I hadn't talked to this person. So I, 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 she sent you an unsolicited email based on your last, last post. Blog. Yeah. And in the last post, if I remember correctly, you kind of talked about going down this path of leaving some of your other businesses behind and some other jobs that you right. could have taken yep. and really engrossing yourself into writing this book that yep. you're working on yep. 
doing the podcast and yep. blogging. Yes. Right? Yep. Yep. Which at this point, it's unknown where it's going to go. Where it's going to go. And it's a, the bigger unknown is how are you going to make a living? Right. You know, and in past episodes, we've talked about plan A and plan B. Right. So, you know, you might be doing that. Your passion is to do this, but you might have to do something else in right. the near future to supplement that income. Right. So she sends you this unsolicited email. Email. With kind of what, a roadmap of, of what of just, she did? Yeah. Of what, okay. of, of what they're doing. Yeah. And. You know, I responded like. <laughs> well, you responded my, internally. It responded to, well, then externally too, which, oh. <laughs> I, should, which I shouldn't have done. Uh, looking, well, I take that back. I'm glad I did it because I was just speaking my truth at the time. And, you know, I just responded saying, you know, you know, thanks for sharing, but that's your experiences in your life. And, you know, and that's. I was like, why? I'm not sure why you're sharing that with me, but um, thank you. And I said, and then I went on to basically say, are the, is is this a fear based? Are you is is this something you're dealing with? Sending, you because know, I basically questioned why are you sending me this? Why are you giving me all this detail? Yeah, you know, question and you, and you you're questioning it in it like, sounds like a negative way instead of a positive. Right. Way. Okay. Right. Um, because when I was got because. The, the way my thinking was is, wow, is this person, because when I read those words, I felt fearful. Uh, I felt like at the time, maybe those were fearful words mm-hmm. coming from that person and maybe not, they were heart-centered words. Does that make sense? Sure. So you were kind of questioning. So basically, if I'm hearing this right, this email conjured up some internal feelings of, of maybe doubting yourself and what you're doing because she gave you this roadmap and said, Hey, all you have to do is do this. And well, you're like, well, this is what's been working maybe for them. Yep. And, and other people in this space. And I've heard it over and over and over. Right. And, uh, but again, we all like, I, for myself, I wouldn't tell someone else for my, for me mm-hmm. to take a certain path a certain way because it may not work for that person. Does that make sense? Sure. Unsolicited. Unsolicited, kind of. Now, if I came to you and said, hey, I'm having these. Uh, right. I'm, 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 yes. I'm, I'm, I need some help. Yes. That's different. So it kind of took you aback. It took me back. somebody just sent you this information. Right. And okay. So. So you did so, some internal. Yeah, internal. Then I external, you know, then I did an external email to, and, to that person. And you weren't happy with the way you responded. No, because that is. You know, and I'm working on that. That as I saw those signs and said, I'm going to write about this blog, I realized my decision or my response was fear based. Okay. That my response was fear based. I should have just, I should have done one of two things. I should have just, I should have said, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for thinking of me. And that's it. And let it go, which I did not do. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's what I should have done, but I did not do that. Okay. Okay. And so after thinking about it and really knowing this person, I was like, okay, this person, this was not right of me to do this. And I feel good because I spoke my truth. I I may not know her, that person's truth, but I should have responded with love and not fear. Okay. Does that make sense? And it kind of sparked that blog and that blog is for that person. So you read it. What do you think? No, I thought it was I thought it was very interesting because I think it's something that that 
we all do, especially in the email medium. If you, when you're talking about email, when you're talking about text, you know, there's no context. You just get information and you yeah. read it and you interpret it however you interpret right. it. There's no body language. There's no eye contact. Right. So, and especially when you, you haven't talked to someone in so long. Yeah, you don't know why they're sending it to you. You right. don't know their intent yeah. unless they clearly explained it. And this person kind of, in a way, knows about my personal life. Mm-hmm. So that made it kind of like, hmm. I mean, okay. I, so yeah, like, so she's, you don't even know what I'm, I mean, you haven't even, re, you haven't even talked to me. You don't even know okay. what I'm going through sure. overall in my whole life. So, so. You, you felt like you were getting unsolicited advice, which at times can feel like a critique. Maybe. You maybe. Feel like, like maybe she's criticizing right. I didn't feel I didn't feel that way. What okay. I just felt like is what this this is basically the response is your life may work for you uh-huh. and I'm happy for you, but your life would not work for me. Okay. And that was my truth. All right. So what you're describing to me, I'm not gonna live my life that way. Got it. And so um but again but afterwards, so you responded with an email and then afterwards you felt like that's not the way you wanted to Correct. respond. Yep. And I think that happens a lot with email yep. and text. Yep. Because I, I know a lot of people, even especially in the workplace, you get an email yep. and you're like told to do something or, or someone's saying something to you and you type something up right away. Yeah. And you send it off and then you wish you could pull it back. You wish you could pull it back. And the thing is, and here, and this was the biggest lesson I learned on this. And this is, you know, kind of a lot of the principles we're talking about. Had I just responded saying, thank you, thanks for thinking of me, and let it go right. that day, right? it would have been done. But this thing carried on for more than 72 hours. You see what I'm saying? Because you, you... I was like letting it just... Fest- I, first of all, I didn't respond. Then I thought about it. Then when I sat down to respond, I didn't respond the right way. So you almost Where, put too much thought into it. Absolutely. Where as far as just let it go. If, and, and, and in and, life, a lot of... You know, you're going to get... People are going to give it either an opinion or a critique, like you said, or whatever. And you just got to let it go. And I think that um, was the last bit. The, the, the bigger lesson is I should have responded. It doesn't matter who that person is. I should have just responded that I'm we're constantly working on love over fear. Right. Even if I disagree, you can still come out with a loving, you know what I'm saying? A loving way to communicate as opposed to fear-based. Does that make sure. sense? Sure. Especially if you regret it afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's why you and I practice that there will be no regrets. And that's why I made sure that, I mean, that's why I wrote about this blog. Right. Because at least, I think the main thing, and this person understands this language, is I was speaking my truth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I spoke my truth. I should have just done it. I shouldn't have not, re- I shouldn't have just messaged it. Uh, sent the message that way. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Because yeah. the way I did it. Right. Okay. So, I mean, as you can tell, as we're talking, this is constant work, man. No, yeah. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's complicated as we're talking about it. It is. It is. But, so, I mean, that could go right into the next, next thing if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Which is the Hay House. The Hay House. So the you, Hay House. So I put, you know, I would say this is one of the hardest things I've ever done putting this proposal and going to a couple of the workshops and learning this business and getting the book down and, you know, um, 
So this was a big day. This was the day they were announcing the winners. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe a couple hundred people went. And so a hundred people were going to, you know, submit it. Yeah. And I believed, you know, I gave my best shot with the information that I had. And at the same time, it felt a little uneasy because I don't know if I was, which you and I will, will talk about a little bit. I was almost like tailoring it to the, what I learned at the workshop is more of a personal development, spiritual development book. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, put it together, got some good people to help me and, you know, put it up to the universe because the decision was made right when it was sent. And I didn't win, kid. Okay. So I didn't win and, and that's okay. And I'm happy, very happy for the people that have won. And it's just to move on. And I, at the present time, I only found this out a couple hours ago. Don't know exactly where to go with it, but going to keep chugging and get that book done. So one of the things when we were talking about it that I found, you know, as we were, you were trying to process this event of not being chosen to be, to win this, to be published by Hay House for mm-hmm. this contest. Correct. Right. Um, is that you said to me, you know, I felt like I kind of knew I wasn't going to win. Mm-hmm. And then as we dug deeper, you said, you know, that it, you, you didn't really put out what you wanted to put out. Right. You kind of changed it based on making it a business decision for them to like have, make sure it's the right format, the right kind of book, the right kind of content right. versus really opening and telling the story that you're trying to tell. Yes. Yep. And I think that happens a lot, especially in the creative world. You know, I used to be in a band, and when we were recording songs or when we were writing songs, sometimes you'd make a decision based on, well, this is, you know, we can't make this song eight minutes because nobody's going to play an eight-minute song on the radio. Right. Right? And I think that happens a lot. And I think the challenge with any creative or artistic endeavor really is to to kind of stay true to what it is you're trying to do. Yes. Right? Are you trying to make music? Are you trying to make money? Right. Right? Right. And there's a it's a blurry line. It's hard. It is a blurry line and I'm and I'm glad, you know, what we talked about is you know, we we all have the ability to write. That's the one thing I've learned, which is great. Everybody has the ability to write. Mhm. And it's been so nice that I've been journaling. That's why I'm so excited to talk to Katie because journaling, you know, was an outlet for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just learning how, you know, it's only been not even a year. I'm learning how to write a book. You know, I'm learning how to right. go about publishing a book. Yeah. I'm learning that whole. It's hard. It's hard. It's, it's a di- whole new it's, thing. It's a whole new thing and it's different. And I'll tell you what I felt good about. It, it was interesting. I got these. Um, emails today so you know and here's another hay house author but you know his name is brendan bouchard you you know that guy Mm -hmm. okay so his first book i guess i forgot what it was called maybe life's golden ticket or something which eventually became um a bestseller or i think harper one picked it up but you know his story was he was turned down 19 times yeah that's a common story right so i'm glad i got turned down because that's what this show is about. I mean, we're we're going to just see. Gonna, I'll go back to Hoop Dreams. This is just kind of like real-time reality. Not giving up. There's a purpose behind it. 
And I've already texted the guy that helped me with this saying, all right, buddy, we got to get back on the phone and figure, you know, make some changes and get going. Okay. No, right? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. All right. Well, the story continues and we'll follow up some more as this, uh, this unfolds. Absolutely. And I'll tell you another thing too. Okay. I'll tell you another thing too. Yeah. Tell me another thing. Is that there was this tinkling that because of the long process it takes, like, let's like you said, what would you do if you won? I really wouldn't have done, I really couldn't have done really anything. I mean, I would have to sit down and obviously write the book, but it's like a year and a half wait to get your book out there. Sure. Does that make sense? After you're done writing it. No, like or let's say as part got, of the process yeah, let's for say, writing let's, it. So let's you say got, it got chosen today. Okay. Probably wouldn't go to the out to the end of 2017. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then there's always the option of self-publishing, self-publishing a book, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to get that book out in two to three months. And, sure. and people do that because it's like their business card or calling card. Right. Like you and I talked about, that's not really the intent of this, of the project I'm working on. I want to get my, you know, my story out in the most authentic way. Right. Number one, it's a healing process for me. Right. True is if I can put, if it can come from the heart, meaning all those words can come from the heart, then... It's already determined when it will come out, who will, who will put it out, who won't put it out, and maybe nobody buys it, or maybe you know 100 people buy it, or maybe a million people buy it. But at the end of the day, the story's got to get out. Yeah, the purpose is for you to, pr- to, to put your story on paper so that it can be digested. Yep. No matter if it's one, a hundred, a thousand. Right. That's all. Right. You're, you're really just verbalizing or putting into the record. Right. Of the universe, your story. And a belief system, you know, and it comes back to the blogs and all this, that all this has some, has a purpose and to continue to have that belief system, belief system, which is hard, trust me, that everything is going according to plan. You got to take action. You can't just sit back and say, oh, oh, you know, the universe is going to take care of me, law of attraction. There's a difference. No, you're being put to the test. I'm, I'm being put to the test, and it's like, boom, another body blow? Good. Yeah. Gonna, I'm going to get stronger. Yeah. Absolutely. So All I'm psyched to get Katie on because this, I mean, journaling, I mean, this is kind of one of the core spiritual fitness pra- uh, practices we talk about. So it's going to be awesome to talk from. And she's she's such a young kid. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I think she's like, I don't know, we'll find out, 23, 24, 25. So yeah. it's kind of like an old soul. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll have Katie on board, and we'll see you in a little bit. All right, and we're back with Katie Delbout, and she is our next guest on the Humble Warrior Podcast. She is a millennial blogger, speaker, and podcast host. Katie curates inspired wisdom that guides people to embrace their own creativity and sift through the thoughts clouding their minds. She's a Hay House author, and her new book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. Her mission is to share journaling tools that invoke deeper authenticity and self-awareness. Katie is a contributor to Refinery29, Mind Body Green, Over the Moon Magazine, and has been featured on Teen Vogue, Yahoo Health, and Daily Mall. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, Katie Delbout. Hello, Katie. Let it out. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It was so nice to meet you, Chris, last weekend, and I'm just so excited to be on your show. Yeah, and we are so excited, too, Katie. Um, you know, here we're, we're 
constantly just talking about, you know, spiritual fitness practices and journaling has been always at the core. And I love your title, Let It Out. And it's, you know, it's been a way for me to express myself. I've been journaling for close to 18 years. And yeah, without those journals, without those journals, especially for a guy, you know, it's hard to express feelings, but without those journals, I would not be, I think, where I am today and how important it is. And um, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because you're just skimming, you're just reading your book and the title. I mean, it just, it, it speaks for itself how important journaling is. And I think it's a great tool for men. And you're an old soul. I don't know. I mean, how old are you? You're in your 20, I'm 25. 25. So it's so great to see um, a woman your age in this millennial age of a tool that you can bring out for the millennials also, because it's such it's such a great way to you know get to a place of knowing yourself. So, you know, I'm very excited that you're on the show and just we're excited to hear your story. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm super psyched to be here. It's obviously I agree about journaling, so. It's going to be fun to talk about for sure. So how did you start on your journey? Because like Chris, I'm, I'm amazed that you're 25. First of all, I'm, I'm 42. I have two kids. And when I was 25, I had no clue what was going on. And you've got, you've got a book out, you've got, you podcast, you do it all. But what got you down this path and what started you following this way of life? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, my birthday's on Saturday, so I'm about to be 26. Oh, oh happy birthday! Right. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know if that makes I don't know if that like makes a slight difference, but um, you know how I got into this. I think it's like anybody else; it's a winding path, and you know I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, with the birthday coming up, like I don't know where I'm going to be when I'm 30 or when I'm 40. You know, I think it's always like peeling away the layers and and going deeper into whatever you're doing and, and what the next creative project is. And I can't even think that far because who knows, like 10 years ago, podcasts didn't even exist. So by the time I'm 36, I'll probably be doing something else on the internet. Right. True. um, Yeah. And and who knows what what the publishing industry will be like. So I think, um, you know, how I got into, spirituality and metaphysics and meditation and yoga and and journaling for that matter um, really, again, like was a winding path and I never thought that this would be my career path. And I didn't really know that this career path even existed, um, you know, five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, when I was graduating from college, I studied broadcast journalism. I thought I wanted to be a TV news reporter and, um, and so that's what I was doing, which is kind of funny now because hosting the podcast, I do use a lot of those skills that I got, from, yeah. especially my radio classes, because a lot of the prereqs for TV news were radio classes. And so I would listen to a lot of NPR and I, um, I at the time I was like, oh, I just want to get to the TV classes, but it was actually really good for me. And I, I fell in love with the audio medium and I'm an auditory learner. So I really love listening to podcasts, which uh, eventually led to me being like, oh, I could do that and, and starting my own. So so that's kind of how that started. But at the end of college, I was going through a really challenging time in my life. And I was into yoga. I got into yoga in high school, very young. 
Um, and then, but I wasn't really into anything other than the asana practice. Like I wasn't really into, or the physical practice of it. I wasn't really into any other element of yoga, but I had really bad body image, um, kind of my whole life, but it got really bad in college. And I think the reason was that I could act on it more in college. I could focus on controlling my weight more because I was in more control of my life as a college student who would have more independence than you do when you're a kid. And I had control over my time and my exercise and my food. And so um, I got very into wellness and from a physical perspective um, in college, which, you know, sounds like a really good thing. And I was really into green smoothies and veganism and, you know, everything, which is fine and whatever. But I really took it to an extreme. And by the end of college, I had spiraled and it just kind of snowballed and snowballed into this really nasty eating disorder. And um, it was a really challenging time. So I was in treatment for that. And so I was surrounded by therapists and mentors and just people supporting me, everyone from like my professors to my parents to, you know, friends, like almost feeling smothered with people, which I needed at that time. But also it was just an interesting time. You know, I think the year you graduate from college for anyone is interesting because you're trying to figure out what you're doing. And I think especially for my situation or my generation, it's especially interesting because I think in the past it was like, okay, you studied this one thing and then you get a job in that one thing and you do that for a bunch of years. Maybe you switch careers, but you probably won't. And you maybe you go to grad school, but you have like a path where I think now it's kind of the age of entrepreneurship and startups and a more of a winding path. And, you know, I graduated at the tail end of the recession, but, um, but it was still like jobs weren't that easy to find. And I knew I didn't want to be a TV news reporter because it was so competitive and I just don't have a competitive bone in my body. I've never been into sports or anything like that. So it just wasn't going to work for me. And you had to like move to a small market and, you know, I just wasn't into that. So I was really at this crossroads and then coupled with the fact that I was like healing this like very intense eating disorder and having to figure out who I was beyond my identity of health and from a physical perspective and really knowing that even though I was so focused on, on health, I was more unhealthy than I'd ever been in my life. You know, my organs were shutting down and I was like, it was really intense, but I was doing this all in the, in the, undercover of being healthy, right? Which yeah. I think a lot of us, you, or not, I'll speak for myself, and I know a lot of the people that I've worked with and, and spoken to through the work that I do, women especially, like, use the veil of health when really they're trying to manipulate their natural size and weight, right? Right. And it's interesting because, you know, I was even to the point where I had convinced myself that I was doing this in the name of health, but until I was, you know, really forced by doctors to look at the fact that I wasn't healthy at all. I was doing this to look a certain way and go and conform to society's standards of beauty, which right now in our society includes thinness. And the standard of beauty is always what's rare, what's difficult to attain, and what costs the most resources to attain. And that's 
thinness in our society now, whereas in years past, like in history, it was a plumper body shape. And in different areas of the world, it might be a plumper body shape where it costs more resources and is difficult to attain that. But here, you know, it costs resources and money and time to have a trainer or have a membership or have, um, you know, time to prepare your food or money to buy the special food or whatever it is, right? And so it becomes this rarity and health is really a luxury. And so that was something that I had to look at that this is a, you know, body image issue. And so all of these things at the same time really in my mind were very, very intense for me. So I turned to personal growth and self-development and, a lot of therapy and a lot of mentorship later, I learned a lot about myself. And my blog at the time was called The Wellness Wonderland. And I started sharing just what I was going through in my life. So at first, that was, you know, health from a physical perspective, like I was talking about. But then, you know, I always say it's had many iterations as I've had many iterations. So it kind of grew and changed right along with me. And so it was including mental health and body image and spirituality and all of these other things that I was learning, which was really awesome. And then eventually that led to a lot more for me in the book. And, and we can get into all of that. But journaling was my main tool during that time. And it was, wasn't actually something I did before growing up. But yeah, so that's kind of a really long answer to your question. Well, I think that's a fantastic sport story. I mean... I'm very impressed that that at such a young age that you could you could recognize that these things were happening and that you took action that was positive and that changed because a lot of people they could continue to spiral um down at that path of you know trying to make themselves look a certain way or eat a certain way because of the reasons that you talked about um I know you Chris and I, we've gone through our own issues as well um, with just trying to conform to what society's standards are and what you believe you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to grow up to be. Yeah, I mean, the couple of takeaways I'm hearing, Katie, were, were one, number one is you built a team around you. I kept hearing mentors, therapists, and whomever else, some family. And at such a young age to know that, you know, one of the things we talk about here is don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. And mm -hmm. so that, I mean, th th that is just awesome. And especially for younger people to hear who feel like maybe they, they can't go to somebody or, or what have you. And for you to do that, um, it's almost kind of like therapy is almost like, it's it's almost like a given. It's okay, like to even just go to therapy to to just let sometimes let it out and give your mind, um, get 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 your mind healthy. You know, by just talking to somebody that has no relation to you whatsoever. You know, um, so that is great. And I think the other thing, you know, we had um, Cassie on last week, who you know you're a good friend with, mm -hmm. and. And it's great to hear someone from your generation because we talked about the millennials last week and Cassie being, you know, John and myself kind of even in this boat of really just living the life you want as a, as opposed to conforming it and, you know, like getting the job and, you know, whatever that may be eight to six and not be happy with it. And just, you know, going through the motions of life instead of like, okay, 
I can control this. I can only can control what I can control, but I'm going to start living the life what I want. And really living the life that we want really starts getting to the place of who we are and what we want to do. And it seems like you had, we all have to maybe go through something. And it seems like through your, this eating disorder and through going to therapy and through working with your mentors. And then this is what I want, I'm excited to talk about is the journaling is you've gotten to a place where Katie know who she is and she's starting to live the life that she wants. Is that, is that a correct assessment? Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think what actually happened for me, which ended up leading me to journal journaling, which is funny because, um, you know, I think it really speaks to what you're saying and the point that you were making about self-awareness. I think that was really huge for me. And I think for, for people in their twenties and what I've heard from, from other people too, is that this just continues as you grow up in every decade, but it's, it's really about figuring out who you are. And I'm sure I'll be figuring that out for a long time and into my thirties and forties and fifties as well. Maybe I'll have it figured out by the time I'm 90, but I think what journaling allowed me to do and through therapy and these other modalities, but really above all journaling, it allowed me to get to know myself. Right. It allowed me to figure out who I was beyond my identity of being the really healthy girl or beyond my identity of being whatever, you know, all these masks we put on to society, it allowed me to take those off, you know, put the mirror up in my face of like, who am I like at a soul level? And how am I going to express that to the world? And I was able to get to know myself and then be able to authentically be that out in the world and then eventually bring that into my relationships and my work and, and other things too. But, but yeah, I think what happened during that time is that even though I was surrounded by people, like I said, I still felt dreadfully lonely. And mm. I found myself in a bookstore and I had a gift card from graduation, I think. And I saw a journal there that was like this colorful journal. And I was in the self-help section, of course, but across the way I saw this colorful journal and I was like, I'm going to use this gift card to buy that. I didn't know why, but I just was like, I don't know why nobody told me to, but I'm going to just get that and write in it. So I spent that summer outside just like writing in my journal all the time and I was able to be completely raw and real and unfiltered for the first time in my life where I tend to have like a people-pleasing um, personality so even in therapy and in coaching I was there's still a part of me that wasn't being completely raw and authentic and real because I wanted my therapist to like me you know and right. I, I was afraid to completely be myself and I think what I found is that I'm so not the only one that does that. I think there's always a little bit of filtering. There's a little bit of a veil that we put onto the world. And and sometimes we have these like super close friends where we completely can, you know, let it all out to. Um, and that feels so cathartic. I just, I feel so much relief when I have like a really close friend and I can just like call them up and tell them about a situation that happened to me and just be completely vulnerable and let out any shame or guilt I may have about it, and then, and then still be loved, you know, they don't hang up the phone on, on you, you know, and then after that conversation, I always feel lighter, I always feel relief, it's always cathartic, and so my journal was really a way for me to do that solo, it was a way for me to 
get whatever happened, whatever situation, whatever thoughts, whatever limiting beliefs, whatever, out of my head onto the page. So then that way I could sort through it. I could decide what's true and what's like an old belief I've picked up since childhood or from the media or from wherever and decide if I want to take action or if I want to let something go or or if I just want to get it out of my mind. And maybe it's still there for a while, but at least I'm taking some action by getting it out of my mind from playing on repeat, you know, and I say this in the book, but we have over 60,000 thoughts a day. And a lot of those are repeat thoughts. They're like the same. We think about like the same few things on repeat. You know, I know for me, it's usually like a work thing, a relationship thing, and like a body thing, you know, like it's the same three things. Right. Mm -hmm. And for you, it might be different, but like, I think that's, we just replay them. And so I think to let them out onto the page journaling, sometimes you can look at that and be like, okay, well, that's what's happening with that. There we go. There it is. And then it can kind of skim the pond, right? Like if your mind is a pond, it can take the pond scum off the top of the pond to get to the clear water, the clear thought forms underneath. And that's where the new ideas are. That's where the creative ideas are. That's when you can be like, all right, this needs to be a conversation I need to have with this person and that'll help with the relationship thing. And this is what I need to do to feel better about my body. And this is what I need to do for work. Or this is an idea I have or something. You know, it's like we can't get to that if we're thinking the same maybe negative stuff on repeat. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I'm going to, I mean, I love the title of your book. I mean, let it out. I mean, (laughs) because what we're talking about is letting it out, you know, that's, I mean, there's different ways in the spiritual fitness world. There's different ways to let out certain things and energy could be physical, right. And yoga or meditation, reading and write. And in this case, we're talking about writing and writing, Mm -hmm. writing. I mean, I'll keep going. It's, it's such a big part of my life. I mean, it really can get you to the, gets you to the core, right? I mean, it's coming from you. And when you're, when you're just writing from yourself and from the heart, it's interesting. That's what John and I were just talking about. Um, cause as you know, as I go down this path and writing, writing, writing some stuff, you're like, you're like, yeah, to your point, the mind does come in and say, Oh, will someone read this? Will this offend anybody or what have you? But if you get to a place where you know at the end of the day you're 100% authentic, then that's what really needs to come out and be shared with the world. And that's yeah. a, and that's what I'm still working on, you know. Right. So Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's and a I work think in progress, it, it's sure. it's work in progress. And um and, well, in my, and I think with John John's a dear friend of mine, he's known me for a while. Um you know, writing is really me and has helped me communicate not only um, for myself, but to others. And, you know, it's like, now how can you take that writing and also, you know, take that place of being authentic and letting it all out and then bringing that out into the real world externally with others, you know, without the writing, like the writing prepared, yeah. the writing prepares you. Yeah, totally. It's like a, it's like a step to kind of deepen your relationships and deepen, you know, the face you can put out to the world because you can't really be vulnerable and authentic out in the world if you're not sure what who that even is for you. If you're not sure what that means for you, you know, if you don't know what masks that you're wearing, you can't take them off. And mm-hmm. so 
that's what this process really allows people to do. And, you know, and I say in the book that it can be in some ways, I, again, like I love therapy as much as the next guy's right. guy, but in, when it comes to journaling, I think it's like what we were saying is it allows you to not filter in a way that even with a very close friend or a therapist or a coach or anyone, we might filter a little bit for fear of judgment. But when you know you're writing just for you, that's not there anymore. And then when you do go to a friend or you do go to a therapist, you might have already processed some of that, or at least you're more aware of what's going on. So then when you bring that to someone else, an outside party, you can go even deeper than you would have gone if you were originally processing it. So I think awareness is the first step to be able to change anything. You can't change anything without awareness. You can't go deeper without awareness. So I think that's huge. Right. You know, the other thing that we talked about when we were getting ready for the show and talking about journaling and just writing in general is that it can be, it's a, it's, it's safer than saying what you're feeling to somebody else than verbalizing it through words, through mm-hmm. talking, you know, because like you said, we all, we have these thoughts running through our heads all day long. And then you're either going to think about it all day or you're going to tell somebody or you're going to write it down. And I think writing it down provides you with a safe place to to put your thoughts, to remove them from your mind. Like you said, I love your analogy about the pond and skimming the skimming the scum. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a great analogy about about being able to put stuff down on paper because it it, it, it I think it's you're right. It's a great way to open up your mind to to the deeper thoughts because it helps, I guess, declutter what's going on up there. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So one of the things, so I am not a journaler. Like, no, but you just bought a journal, didn't you? I did. I just, I did. Okay. So now, you, now, uh, now you're going to make journal more after well, this. Man. Well, here's my challenge. Well, Kate. we get, I have to give you my book and, and then you'll have 55 exercises you can try. The, well, that, that'll be great. Cause one of the things that I have a real problem with, with journaling is kind of what do I put in there and how do I put it? Do I write complete thoughts? Do I just write sentences? Because I'm an avid when I'm when I'm in in a lecture or I'm in work or I'm 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 learning information, I'm an avid note taker. But if you ever look at my yellow pad, it's like it's like a piece of art. I got words going every which way. I got like one word thoughts, one words, full sentences, half sentences. But when I look at it, it makes sense to me. But right. is that is that the way to do it? I don't know. Is it like I think one of the challenges that people like me have with journaling is how do you do it? Do I just write anything down or what's what's the process? Well, I have a book for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, that's that's why I wrote the book. I think a lot of people, when when I was in that period of time that I was telling you about, when I started journaling and I knew it was effective for me, I didn't know why, but at the time, I've done a lot of research since then, but at the time, I didn't know why. I just knew it felt good. I knew it was cathartic, so I kept doing it. And then eventually, I started to recommend it to other people too. And I got so much resistance from people saying things, you know, similar to what you said of like, 
well, you know, I don't have time to journal or like, I don't know what I would say, or am I doing it right? Or, you know, I'm not a writer. I wouldn't have anything to say, all of that. Yeah. And so this book really came out of a need for, for that exact thing. And so I, I break it down in the book and I give people a, you know, there's 55 exercises in the book. So there's exercises on getting organized. There's exercises on feeling your feelings. There's exercises on, you know, everything from like decluttering to relationships to all sorts of things. Right. But, but at the end of the day, I think there's no way to do it wrong, except if you're writing for someone other than yourself. So if you're writing the journaling for someone other than you to read it or find it, or, you know, creating a blog post with it or something, then that's not journaling. That's something else. It's just not journaling. And I think what journaling is, is exactly what you described, John. It's like, doing it just for you. So for you, if that's, you know, more bullet points, if that's, you know, maybe it's like a little bit of sketching as well, or is arrows or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's it's just for you. I throw away my journaling after I don't go back and read it. Even I don't, I just don't do that. I sometimes if I need to just process something, I'll open up a document on my computer and literally delete it right after I'm done. And that impermanence of it really allows you more freedom in the in the writing to release whatever's in you, whatever's blocking you. And it forces you to really be aware of the fact that it's, it is really just for you. And, of course, if there's a gem or something in there that you want to pull out and, and flush out more and it might become a blog post or it might become an idea to talk about in the podcast or it might become a conversation you need to have with someone in your life or whatever. And, of course, that's fantastic. But ideas don't come after every time I journal or it's not something I use after every time I journal. It's just, it's just a process that is cathartic and is just for me. Just like, you know, in a therapy session, sometimes you might have a moment of clarity, but sometimes you might just need to vent and it, it depends, you know, it depends on the day. It depends on how you're feeling. It depends on a lot of circumstances. It's the same thing with journaling. Every time you sit down, it'll be different. And, you know, I get a lot of questions about what time of day is best to journal, um, you know, how many times you should journal, whatever, whatever. And my answer is always whatever works for you. And I know that a lot of people, especially like type A people hate that and they want to know, you know, exactly what it is. But the, the reality is we have enough shoulds in our life. We have enough, you know, health things we should be doing and self-care things we should be doing and work obligations and family obligations and all of these things that we need to be doing. I don't want to be the journal girl that, like, adds another should to anybody's life. And so what I think is do when it works for you, you know. Sometimes I'll feel, like, pregnant with an idea or with a situation I need to process and I'll know like I need to sit down and write about this for a minute like I need to like write this out of me I need to let this out right I need to let go of this or I need to process it in some way so then I'll know that journaling would feel really nice for me to do that um but that's that happens sometimes but then and I call that kind of SOS journaling so that's like journaling when you really need to, there's like a need for it. And then there's like maintenance journaling where I think that's more every day. That's more of a consistent practice. There might not be a specific issue you need to deal with or, um, you know, really process. It's more of like, there's lots of things going on in your mind and you don't even really know it, it helps you find awareness and clarity. And so I think 
that's a great way to do it. And as far as like the time of day to do it, I think it's great in the morning. I think it's great in the evening. I think it's great in the middle of the day. I do some of each. Um, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with the artist way and Julia Cameron's work? No, no. Um, so Julia Cameron wrote this book a really long time ago, um, maybe like in the nineties or something. And it's called the artist way. And the main thing from that is this thing called morning pages where basically it's three handwritten pages front back front written every single morning. And it's this practice that creative people do and it really helps them, um, get out of their head and it's, it's really really good there's lots of people famous people who do this like rich roll does it like there's so many people who do this and i've done it a lot in the past and the first exercise in my book is actually based on the um, morning pages but with a bit more direction and i call mine the morning dump which i think is funny because it sounds like poop <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah, it has, you know, different questions to guide you into your day. And so I think there is something special about journaling first thing in the morning and kind of sorting through what's going on and how you want the day to be and, and really, you know, setting the intention in that way. I think that's powerful. I think also, you know, journaling in the evening can be powerful and, you know, journal, like literally there, I just don't want to put parameters on it. So then people feel like they might be doing it wrong or they could be doing it better because there really isn't a way to do it wrong, except if you're trying too hard basically so i think you know for you john like just write out what's going on in your mind you know and however it looks it's it's totally fine great i you know what that makes me feel really good yeah yeah and to and john and john's been with me he's seen all my journals i mean um and that's a good thing i don't know why i've kept them but you know with katie just saying throw them away but um i get what you're saying but i cannot stress that you know, just to journal if when when you're in that place of like, I need help, journaling helps like big time, big time. Mm-hmm. Even when you don't, maybe you're not that place to pick up the phone or, you know, call for help. You know, the two things you can do are, you know, you can one is go up to the God or universe and write and just ask. Yeah. For, you know, just put it on the paper. Help. Help me. This is what I'm dealing with. And just write it out. And. I did that for years, years and years and years and years. And Katie, you, you're the, I'm to, we're talking to an old soul here. And your work, besides the book, what else are you doing? How, how can people work with you? And, and who's working with you right now? What are you doing out there? <laughs> um, well, I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I have a website. It's just my name.com. I'm sure you guys can like link to it. I don't know if you have show notes, but um, yeah, it's just my name, katiedalebutt.com. And on my website, you can sign up for my um, newsletter. And when you sign up for the newsletter, you get my, I always say this in my Oprah voice, but Katie's favorite thing. It's basically <laughs> like really cool curated guide of how to live in wellness wonderland. And so it's all of my favorite books, podcasts, resources, videos, foods, like anything that has inspired me in some way and um, a little bit on that. So, yeah, so that's probably the best way to keep in touch with everything I'm doing is to get on that newsletter list. But I also host a podcast that I've been doing since 2013, which was like before Serial, so no one really knew what podcasts were back then. (laughs) Right. And, and yeah, I love doing the podcast. It's so fun to have conversations with people like we're doing right now and 
I also have a mentoring program that I work with a very small amount of um, people who, you know, want to kind of work through these things that we've been talking about and just supporting them. And my goal in that is really just to be useful. So that's what I do there. And then I'm actually starting a bunch of new projects that I can tell you about later. And um, yeah, and then I'm just writing a lot and hopefully um, another book and a lot more um, essays and personal stuff. And yeah, that's what I do. I mean, because I'm a dad. I have three daughters, 16, 14, and 12. And cool. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the, in the middle school and high school, you know, I don't know if you do talks or anything, but you, uh, I, you can, I know you know you can make such a difference. You're already making a big difference, but the, the, the that, oh, young, no, thank you. that, that younger generation to know that there's someone out there that is writing and get, get them through. I mean, I'd love to, you know, somehow, you know, get my daughters involved with you. I don't know if you work with younger, yeah. younger well, people, that's... just, just to know that, just to have that information, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, that's really the target that I want to work with. That's really who I want to work with is young girls who really think like if I would have had this information when I was in high school or college, it would have really changed the course of my life. And of course, you know, I'm grateful things happened the way they did or I wouldn't be here talking to you now. But I really that's that's the kind of people that I really want to be talking to. And it's um, right now I'm talking to people more my age or older, but I actually am working with, um, and I'm going to be in Los Angeles for my book tour and also to be, get trained officially as a instructor for this organization. It's a charity called real girl. Are you guys familiar with that? No, but John's Um, taking notes. We're going to put this all in the notes. Yeah. Basically what real girl does is they help, um, the instructors work with girls um, from eight to 14, I think. Oh, that's and perfect. yeah. And basically they or maybe a little bit older. I don't remember exactly, but they teach girls about everything from feminism to body image, to meditation, to yoga, to things about their periods, like everything, um, the moon, like all different things um, that can help girls journaling, all of it. And um, it's a really great way to empower young women and have them go into this, you know, society and culture that we live in from a really empowered place. So, yeah, I'm actually getting trained in that in L.A. in, a, in like a few weeks in May coming up here. And um, I'm going to be bringing it back to Detroit where I live and then hopefully traveling with it and, and doing you know, workshops for young women and, and really sharing this message that it's it basically what Real Girl does is it teaches everything that I've taught myself yes. in my early 20s to younger girls. And it's all stuff that I wish I, I would have known earlier. And, you know, I might be in a very different place than I am now. So, um, yeah, so that's really cool. I'm glad you brought that up. That is awesome. That, that is awesome. That, I mean, that's, that's awesome because... You know, with with everything that's going on right now in technology, you know, I mean, it's just wow. I mean, to to this generation, really, that that younger, believe it, a younger generation, really can use this type of wisdom. So that's great. You know, I, I, I try, I take my girls to yoga. We do little meditation, but you know, I would love for them, and you know, they have a great mom, but to have someone who's kind of been there, done that, that they can kind of look up to and, and have some sort of like mentor and a roadmap, 
that's awesome that you're going out and doing that. Girls need it. Women need it. Yeah, thank you. And I think too, you know, it's it's a certain type of person and age group. I think, you know, when you're working with younger girls, I think sometimes when it comes, even though it might be the same information coming from you or um, coming from parents, I think when it comes from a someone from a different generation than their parents, it can be heard in a different way. Yeah. And I think, you know, my my youth is actually an asset in that. Absolutely. Um, you're more relatable. You're going to be more relatable to them. There's no doubt. I mean, it's... Nobody it, wants to hear that stuff from their dad right. <laughs> or their mom. Or their mom, you know? You're, you're, yeah, totally. Yeah. In fact, I have a funny story because my dad just sent me a... He just sent me an email today. It was something from Dr. Wayne Dwyer about parenting, like how to treat your child. And I'm like, really? Why are you telling me? But if you sent it to me, right. I'd be like, oh, that's good inf- information. Got sometimes, it. Yeah. sometimes you need that second voice or that third voice or somebody else to accept the information. Yeah. Well, we've talked it too. It's sometimes because there's so much just history with our parents that yeah. you just need to hear it from somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah. You yeah. Know. That could be a whole other yeah. pod. So, Katie, yeah. uh, I, you know, as a, I'm a father too. My, my, my girl is, she's only four. But it's scary. It, I every day I'm like worried. I'm like, gosh, how, am I going to teach her the right things? Is she going to be able to to be strong enough to deal with all the things that women deal with? Because I think it's I think it's harder to be a woman than it is to be a man. Honestly, mm-hmm. just because. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I think there's a lot of you know societal like looking at this from a feminist perspective that absolutely the case and that's absolutely true and I think there's a lot of things to have to navigate in the world as a woman and I think um you know teenage girls are really in this interesting phase in their lives where they're not only teenagers so you're feeling a lot of feelings at once Mm -hmm. and they're they're more intense because you're in puberty and then also coupled with the fact that you're feeling them for the first time. It's kind of like being a cartoon character, you know, like everything's just way more intense. Right. Right. So that's happening for boys and girls. But I think with girls, they also have, you know, this pressure from the media to look a certain way as their bodies are changing. And then there's this pressure of, you know, career and like navigating all these things. And, And there's a certain privilege that comes from and freedom from being male that, women don't have and you know obviously there's been like lots of growth with this in the in you know the generations past but it's still you know feminism is still this issue that you know needs to be talked about and addressed and I think I had no idea what feminism even meant when I was that age like I found feminism a lot older and I found um, spirituality and meditation and tools to deal with you know my mental health and tools like I didn't body image to me was just like this really uncool thing I didn't want to deal with I I didn't care I just wanted to be thin I just wanted to look like an Olsen twin I just wanted to look like a model that was probably on heroin and like smoking cigarettes you know and like eating one piece of tea and like that's what I looked at as beautiful and I didn't know any better and so I think to have conversations with like well actually you know these photos might be retouched or you don't actually know what's going into that and I know it looks really cool to be that way but let's talk about, you know, actually what being cool is from a different perspective and, but not making it boring and not making it dull and not making it something that, 
you know, you even turns them off to it more, I think is a big challenge, but something that if we can get into our girls and our even school systems from a younger um, age, I think it really will kind of change not only then, but hopefully in the future society in general and shifting. Right. Right. And those are all, I love your message and I love everything you've said. Um, Katie, you're, you're an inspiration. You're on the path. You're just getting started too. The this is this is awesome, and we're so and we're blessed that she's in our backyard. I know. I know you're, I know you're traveling, but you know um, we get to have Katie here, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's hang out. Like yeah. that'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna set up a time. We'll work offline, but I want you to meet my three daughters. Maybe we could work some sort of journaling mentoring program with them, with you or something. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on the pod today. Um, you've got so much going for you and, and gives me great confidence that as my daughter gets older, there's somebody like you out there that she can look up to. I mean, it's, I, your story's awesome. I can't say that enough. Thank you so much. You guys are so nice and just have like the best energy and are just so cool. So I'm so glad that we're connected now and we get to be friends and yeah, friends forever. Awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to wrap this up, and for everybody that's out there, make sure you have the next episode of our pod queued up by subscribing to the Humble Warrior Podcast on iTunes, following us on Twitter at The Warrior Pod, and liking the Humble Warrior Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Once again, thank you, Katie, for being on the show. Let it out and live brave. Join us next week for the next episode of the Humble Warrior Podcast. Subscribe to the Humble Warrior Podcast by visiting chrisforte.com.